We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS, that's R-O-T-O-H-O-O-P-S, when you deposit on DraftKings, that'll get you a free contest entry today. All right, it is Tuesday, February 2nd. Nick Whalen joins, I always am, on Tuesdays by Rotowire's own DJ Trainer. A lot to get to today, as always, but you know, even more so than normal, I think, going on in the NBA right now. But, uh, I mean, what, what were you able to watch last night on, in the, the big slate of the usual Monday games? Yeah, luckily I usually have a late night on Monday just trying to catch and flip around as much as I can. I was really surprised to see the Cavs go into overtime against the Pacers. I know we want to talk about that one a little bit. Um, great game between the Bulls and the Jazz. Jimmy Butler really taking it off and the Jazz showing and getting a really good win. Bulls don't score any points in overtime. And, of course, like always, they had the Kings-Bucks game just perennially. As always. always on. I, 
It's because, because teams are just constantly playing each other. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the one that I watched. I, I wrote the recap for that one for Bucks to Ball, so I did keep a, a pretty close eye on it. And uh, no DeMarcus Cousins for the Kings, which is disappointing because as good as he's been, I, I just haven't watched him as much as I wanted to this year just because they're playing so late all the time and it, you know, oftentimes it conflicts with the Bucks and whatever. Uh, but no DeMarcus Cousins in this one. No John Henson for the Bucks, and you know, just no OJ Mayo. So you, you look at that final score and think, oh, that's probably what it was. You know, no Mayo. Um, but Rajon Rondo in this game, three point sniper, I should say, Rajon Rondo. <laughs> uh, this was actually a pretty good game as far as Bucks games go, uh, and as far as Kings games go, I guess. Um, close throughout, and then in the fourth quarter, that the Kings just went on a run, uh, three straight threes on three straight possessions. To basically close this one out, um, I mean, before that it, w- it was ninety three eighty nine in favor of the Kings with just about four and a half left. Then Bellinelli knocks down a three, Omri Caspi knocks down a three, and then Rondo with the dagger three uh, with a little under three minutes left that put Sacramento up eleven. So I had the pleasure of watching the Bucks basically slowly bleed out uh, against a Cousinsless Kings team. But Rudy Gay thirty nine points, nine rebounds, six assists, one of the better lines that we'll see from him. Uh, this season, a guy who's been the subject of some recent trade rumors. Kings are kind of up in the air on things right now, uh, whether they're actually going to make a run for this eight seed, which you know I think they can. But at the same time, you kind of have to think a little bit more big picture and wonder if the return that you could maybe get for Rudy Gay ends up uh, kind of outweighing the benefits of having him on the team and him giving you nights like this every every so often. Yeah, I mean, if you have Rondo out or you, if you have Cousins out, Gay has really stepped up so far this season, and, and it's been noticeable uh, last year when Rondo wasn't on the team, Gay handled the ball a little more. That gave him a little more liberty to drive the hole if if the opportunity presented itself. I think he's really good, but if you want to kind of compare him to somebody, and I, you know, maybe this is a bad comparison, maybe Kevin Love, where he's just trying to fit in with two other. Um, so you have a ball dominant guy like Rondo, and then you have somebody who can score at will like Cousins. And so while Gay is very good, and when he's given the green light, he can score thirty two like he did against the Bucks last night. He's still trying to find his place on this team. I think so in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's you know a guy who's kind of been in the same spot everywhere he goes. Um, yeah. you know, the, the expectations when he comes in are always, you know, is this the place to finally live up to the potential? I think he is what he is at this point, you know, and that's a, a high volume at times, uh, pretty inefficient scorer. But, you know, again, these are the kind of nights that when he's on, uh, and especially, you know, without DeMarcus Cousins, you look, that front court was Kelsa Kufus and Willie Cauley-Stein, two guys who really aren't going to hurt you uh, very much offensively. So more of the onus falls on Rudy Gay. Uh, on a night when Rondo... Was Rondo, but he wasn't. He wasn't peak Rondo in terms of dominating the ball and you know kind of running down possessions uh, and finding open shooters. Only seven assists, which for him you know is a very low number. Six turnovers. The Bucks did a good job. Carter Williams with his length, doing a lot of disrupting. Rondo threw. I think he attempted at least three behind the back passes uh, in the first half alone. And I, I one of them, two, at least two of them were deflected out of bounds off his own guy. Another one I think he completed, but then the basket wasn't finished and. The Bucks announcing team was not impressed. Marcus Johnson was was less than impressed with with Rajondo's uh, Rajondo's Rajon like Rondo's like Rajondo. Rajondo. I kind of like that. I like it with his fanciness. Um, so I mean, you know me. You know the way I play. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. That's great. But um, <laughs> you know the way I play. <laughs> 
uh, you know, when I'm lighting up a road of hoops. Um, yeah. Normally, someone would say, "Yeah, man, respect," but no, I I trash you at any opportunity. Yeah. So I have no. And idea you should. What I'm yeah, about. you should because I think I blow more attempted around the back passes than just about anybody. Um, but that's that's enough for that game. Uh, Cavs wait, Pacers. Wait. Oh, hold up! <clears throat> I want to I want to talk about Rondo and just in terms of his frame of mind. Um, you know, when Cousins out of the lineup. Their game plan is completely different. I mean, they're just kind of finding themselves. That's why Gay has this big night. That's why Rondo gets a little twinkle in his eye and thinks he can do a little something, or maybe he thinks he has to do stuff like that. But do you remember when Andrew Bynum attempted a three? I think it was in the NBA Finals, and Phil Jackson took him out, and everyone in the whole arena is just looking at him like, what are you thinking, man? Like, you do not attempt three-pointers. And I think Rondo gets a hint of that every now and then. Like, why are you attempting around the back passes when you could just shovel it over there? Um, I don't know. I think he's good enough at it, though. I mean, that that's not the same as Bynum yeah. chuck, I mean, chucking a three. It's a little different, but it, I think that, you know, when Cousins is out of the lineup, it's just, it's just kind of like a free-for-all. But the yeah. funny thing is that the Kings, um, this was a trivia question a couple weeks ago. We're doing trivia again at the end of the show like we always do. The Kings average the third most points in the league at 106.7. And so I think a player like Rudy Gay, who is a volume shooter, fits actually pretty well with this style of play. I'm not sure if this is what they actually want to well, continue with over the next three years or it's because maybe they're just so terrible at defense it yeah, just comes I mean, out that way. Right. They're one of the better scoring teams, but they're the worst defensive team in 108 points per game. And that was obvious. I mean, and the Bucks are usually the team that are, you know, that are, that are the obvious defensive uh, you know, have the obvious defensive issues, but I mean, last night there was a play. Carter Williams actually was really good in this game. Uh, he he finished with with eighteen and thirteen at a huge first half, and <clears throat> there was a play where he he grabbed a rebound, dribbled all the way down court, ended up botching an alley oop pass that was stolen, went the other way for a Quincy AC dunk. Carter Williams sprinted all the way back, grabbed the ball, took it out, and whipped it you know forty feet down court to Middleton. All of a sudden, there's a two on one for a Greg Monroe alley oop dunk, and. You know, Sacramento got got a basket and just didn't get back. No one got back. He threw the ball up. There were three Kings still in the backcourt by the time Middleton even caught it around the timeline. And and that was one of those plays that you just think like if the Bucks are doing this to these guys, I mean you you you, you have no problem wondering how how teams like Golden State are just tearing them apart and getting close to 130. So, yeah, we, we should move on to, from this game. I don't know why I let the Bucks linger when, when given the opportunity yeah. to move on. They're a fun team to talk about um, because they're dis- they've disappointed and they've, they've maybe, you know, me- need to make some changes. But anyways, the Kings are super fun to watch, just like I talked about a couple weeks ago. The Sixers are a really fun team to watch right now as well. Um, so, yeah, we can keep it moving along here if we want to talk about the game I already brought up. Was that the Cavs game? Cavs Pacers. Yeah, that was the game of the night uh, for sure. I mean, there were a couple other decent ones on the slate tonight. You know, Wizards Thunder is always interesting, even though we're, where the Wizards are right now. But this one definitely the marquee game on paper, and it, and it ended up being the marquee game as well. Cavs one eleven, uh, Indiana Pacers one oh six. This is one that the Cavs led um, by fourteen at halftime, something like that. Uh, it could be less than eleven at halftime. Uh, got up, you know, but close to 14, 15 early in the third, and then just the offense just shut down. I mean, they out, they're outscored by 15 points in the third quarter. All of a sudden, they're trailing going into the fourth. Uh, they're trailing late in the fourth as well. A couple clutch baskets from LeBron down the stretch. Kyrie, Kevin Love had a big three in overtime. Uh, and eventually, they overcome Miles Turner in the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> First win in that building for, for Cleveland since 2010, I believe. Uh, I love the line that you've been saying. It's one of my favorite Nick Whalen quotes, um, you know, playing Paul George at the four at points this season is not so much because he's going to be effective there. It's more of a keeping a Lavoie Allen off the court kind of move. And we're seeing this young rookie, Miles Turner, 
blossom into exactly what the Pacers needed to start out the season. I'm incredibly surprised. I didn't think it was going to happen. Apparently, everyone thinks he's going to add a three-point shot to his game over the next couple of the years. Oh, right yeah. now, he's taking kind of Blake Griffin uh, two-pointers. But he came out on fire. He was dunking. He had a massive block against LeBron James to get the crowd going. Um, I think, you know, we did a rookie redraft not that long ago, Nick, and we're going to do it at some point in the next couple of months. But I'm looking at our top 10, and we didn't have him anywhere on there. No, I think, and if we would have done, uh, excuse me, if we would have done that today, I think he'd be in there. I, I oh, think yeah. the, no, the sure. door opening with Mahimi yes. getting hurt and, and really turned to playing himself into the starting lineup, you know, it was a combination of those two things that have led to this. Um, I, I think it's a no-brainer at this point. I mean, like you said, the three-point shot's going to come. It's the guy who took 62 threes last year at Texas, only shot around 30%. But, you know, I think there's a basis for it, at least. Uh, this is a guy who's clearly comfortable shooting them, even in college when he probably shouldn't have been shooting them. Uh, I think that speaks to the, to the fact that he he probably wants to shoot them in the NBA, uh, probably isn't being let. You know, who doesn't want to? Well, right? I mean, there are some guys. I mean, I don't, I don't think Al Jefferson has a burning desire to start chucking threes. <laughs> Um, I mean Bynum. I think Greg he Monroe. he wanted to yeah. Bynum. I looked it up first of all. There, Bynum never attempted a three in the playoffs, thankfully. Um, okay, so maybe. But I, but he did he did that. attempt like ten threes in his career, and he in his final year, his final good year with the Lakers, he made more threes uh, than Jabari Parker's made this year. So Whoa. I'm gonna keep coming. I'm gonna keep coming back to the well on that one because um, I'm still I'm still smarting a little bit from from the Jabari backlash from last week. Uh, but Miles Turner, do we want to dig into that? Not today. That's, that's 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 blown over. Maybe once we get closer to the deadline, maybe we can dig that back up. But uh, I think we're good on Bucks talk for today. Anything else did you want to add from this game? Anything about the Cavs? Yes, there is one thing. Um, the move to Tyron Lue appears to be working, but I'm always skeptical to think, um, you know, the, the team had a players-only meeting right after Blatt was fired, and maybe that was the impetus for this change. Or, I mean, LeBron James has been trying to get this going, and at some point you knew it would happen. And so I'm a, I'm a little hesitant to say, wow, what a great move to fire Blatt um, because things are working out in the short term. I'm, I'm not so sure it's just not a, you know, just like a recollect yourself moment in the season where this team of talented players are doing exactly what we thought they would. And so sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, you know, when we're talking about Kevin McHale getting fired, sometimes you just need to shake things up, even though McHale is a good coach, but you just need to get a different authoritative figure in the mix. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, more on the uh, on the fun side, I guess, is the Cavaliers. They take those squad photos, you know, at the end of the game when they're looking all tough. And Kevin Love has been included on those recently. Um, I think we have Love, James, Thompson, Irving, J.R. Smith, Schumpert, and Jared Cunningham, which means Jones, Williams, Verjao, Delavadova, Mozgov are left off. Do you think that's the appropriate squad? Um, like shouldn't Mozgov be in there? Like if you're trying to actually I don't think get so. a squad I think, I think together, Le- Mozgov is like permanently in LeBron's doghouse at this point. I don't think he belongs anywhere near that. Don't you think that's weird in general that that's essentially LeBron's friends? And if you're not in that picture, you're not really tight with him. Isn't that incredible? I think it weird? is weird. I mean, did you, you saw Kevin Love's hashtag? I'm sure on that photo, which I think kind of kind of backs that up. You know, what was it? It was finally made the photo or something. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. But this is I think it's a, I think it's like photo, a joke. Yeah. It's a joke in some ways. I mean. I think there are probably groups like this in any locker room. Maybe they don't publicize it as much. This I mean, is kind of internet hazing, right? Eh, not really. I don't know. I mean, James Jones isn't in the photo. We we know LeBron loves James Jones. I don't think it really means much. Okay, I just. I think, think these are just little... the guys that he goes out to eat with after the game, or 
Yeah, I, I think what's most interesting to me is that Jared Cunningham has been in these photos yes. all year. Like, yeah, how awesome would it be to be Jared Cunningham? You come to this team, and like, I don't know how he got in with him, but LeBron early in the season must have been must have given him the stamp of approval because he's been in more of these photos than Love has. I agree, and I just think it's I think it's very high school caddy girl because undoubtedly somebody like. Uh, you know, Mo Williams is like, man, I wish I was in the squad photo. He's best friends with LeBron. I don't, I don't think. I think I people are reading way weird. too much into this stuff. If, I just think it's weird. If if Russell Westbrook posted a photo with Nick Collison, Serge Ibaka, and Dion Waiters, would people be freaking out that Durant's not in it? They have parties at their house and they do that exact same thing. Then what's the big deal? I don't know. I just, I just think it's internet hazing. I think it's I a little think so. weird. I think these guys are bigger than this at this point. I don't. I think the last thing they're worried about is who's in whose photos in the locker room. If this Has, was if this was a middle school, made it, Nick. hashtag finally, yeah, made it. right, yeah, and I think that, like, that's funny that Love is saying that. You know, like he realizes because if you look at the comments, they're always you know, where's K Love? Do you hate Kevin Love because he's not in this photo? Like, who knows what's going on? Maybe Love has to go somewhere quick after the game and he can't make the photo. I just don't think it's that big of a deal at all. It'd be one thing if they were. I mean, he has a handshake with LeBron and everything. It'd be one thing if they were doing this on the court before the game or something. And there's, you know, like LeBron used to do in 2008, 2009 with Cleveland. Those the whole team was involved in some sort of production slash photo. If they were doing that and Love and Mo Williams were just kind of sitting on the end of the bench, then, you know, maybe there's something going on, but a picture is a picture. The weird thing to me is that, like, LeBron will post it, Love will post it, JR will post it, Shumpert will post it, Kyrie will all post the same photo with the same hashtags. Do you think LeBron sends out a text after the game and and is like, hey, guys, here's what the hashtags are tonight. Uh, It's going to be Strive for Greatness. Uh... What are the other ones? There's there's a couple that he always uses routinely. Can um, you hear our typing fingers? Hopefully. These mics are pretty good at picking up typing. You know who LeBron is? He's Glenn Coco. Nah, maybe. Mean Girls. A little this bit. This is no, all Mean Girls. No, no. LeBron something James simple. Glenn Coco. That's what it is. All right, guys. So tonight's going to be uh, something simple, looking for revenge. Um, let's see what else we can add in here. Strive for greatness. J.R. Smith is Gretchen Wieners trying to get fetch going. Some, you know, kind of dumb hashtags like that. LeBron's like, no, no way. So who is love then? Caddy Herman? Um, <laughs> maybe we were running out of characters. Yeah. Heron, no, love, Heron not Herman. Ka- yeah. Katie Heron. That's Lindsay Lowen's love is definitely Katie Heron. We just rewrit. So does that make LeBron Rachel McAdams? Yeah. Is that Glenn Coco? No. Oh, man. Glenn Coco is not. No. Um, David Blatt is Miss Norbury, Tina Fey. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's fair. Or he could be he could be Rachel McAdams' mom, Amy Poehler. <laughs> the cool mom. He's trying to make everything work. JR is definitely Amanda Seyfried's character. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. This is a good comparison. Jacking up shots in the corner. Mm-hmm. Call me if you need me. Kind of yep. thing. Mozgov is, I forget what that guy's name is, like her friend before she starts being friends with the Mean Girls. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> who works, who works at the mall with, uh, who's the other, like the emo girl? Yeah. yeah. The too gay to function guy. Right. Yes. Yes. I don't know what his name is. I don't know what his either. name is either. Um, okay. Well, that's enough of that. We're in that's a, a pretty, hole. that Let's was a better compared. That worked out better than I thought it would somehow. Yeah, same here. Wow. Uh, but to close on this, Cavs now 5 and 1 under Lou. Won the last five, of course, after losing uh, to Chicago in his first game. Seven of their next eight are at home. This is their upcoming schedule. I mean, they have a chance to go on a big time run here. Home to Boston, home to New Orleans, home to Sacramento, home to the Lakers. Then you got the All Star break. Home to Chicago at OKC. That's going to be a battle. But then you're home to Detroit and home to Charlotte. 
So, I mean, every single one of those games I think you look at is pretty winnable. Um, and I think I actually left one out. I think they play, I think tomorrow they get the Hornets. So, you know, even that's another team I think you feel pretty good about. They're without Al Jefferson. They're going to be without Batum as well, it sounds like. Three guys questionable, including Kemba and Jeremy Lamb. And this is going to be a banged up Hornets team, even though Cleveland has to go on the road. I mean, I don't know, other than that OKC game, I don't know which of these games you don't feel really, really good about. I agree. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the league. If you look ahead at their schedule, if they're one of the top four teams in the league, you're going to like their schedule, right? Um, it's not like, you know, it's not like they're going to face Murderer's Row because they're the Cavaliers. They are Murderer's Row when teams right, look at them true. on the schedule. So uh, they're one of the best teams in the league. They're rounding into form. I think they still have a legitimate chance to win the title, and that's really it. That's all you can say when we're halfway through the season. You never know what can happen. Composition is fine. They paid up for their players. New coaching change. It's working right now. They're good. They're golden. We just need to wait it out. Yeah, if they win eight of these next nine and things keep up and they're scoring 110 points every game, then I think we have to look at this Cavs team maybe a little differently than we did a couple weeks ago after the Warriors loss um looking at a little more from last night big game for Jeff Teague only reason I mention him is he's a guy who's come up in trade rumors quite a bit 32 8 and 5 maybe making a little bit of a case to to hang around that was in 28 minutes so let me just ask you straight out if you're the Atlanta Hawks GM who do you keep is it Teague or Schroeder. is it Schroeder this team's not going anywhere you got to keep Schroeder I think you keep whichever well whatever you can get the better return for honestly I don't know that there's a huge difference Schroeder's younger. Di- I think age difference is the main thing. She's yeah. got five years, and even if you think Schroeder is 75% the player of Jeff Teague, which I've heard a couple other people say out in the industry, then that's still good enough for this Atlanta Hawks team to function perfectly fine. And so I think you take the age and you take the Schroeder guy who, who, as you've said many times, is probably one of the best backup point guards in the league and should be a starter if you're just yeah. kind of I mean, divvying up all the point guards in the league. Yeah, I mean, he's the best backup point guard in the league. I think that's pretty clear. Um, the thing with them is they just have to decide a direction. You know, if if they're gonna Al Horford's a guy, especially these last couple of days, has come up and trade talks. If they end up dealing him for a younger piece, or they end up dealing, you know, a guy they they could deal Schroeder and try to bring in another veteran. You know, a guy you know, Rudy Gay, something like, something like that. Not that that's a great fit by any means, but some someone like that that would be more of a win now move. Then in that case, maybe you want to keep Teague. I think I think you have to look at the general direction of the team before you make that decision because as good as both these guys are, neither of them are franchise franchise cornerstone type of players. I mean, with unless Schroeder, if that's who you go with, you know, improves pretty dramatically over these next few years. He's probably going to have to be your third or fourth option if you want to be a real championship team. So you have to keep that in mind. You want to build around these guys from the perspective that they're kind of running your team, but you don't necessarily have to build around them insofar as them being your best player. So Horford has his contract coming up. Do you think that they offer him around the ballpark of $25 million is what I've heard tossed around? And of course, with the cap coming up, that's more of a reasonable option that somebody else in the league would potentially um, would throw at him. So I think if you're going to bring Horford back, then you kind of keep this crew together. Does that make sense? If not, then I mean you need to restructure everything, and then you definitely go with Schroeder and just kind of blow things up. It's kind of interesting. The addition of Tim Hardaway Jr., I know it wasn't a big deal, but I think that you know if, if he matured or progressed, that maybe they thought that was just a piece they needed as a six-man off the bench, maybe playing alongside Schroeder or something like that. So they, I, I think at the beginning of this year or this past offseason, they thought they were a contender, and they really are. They still are um, in terms of the East. But I, I don't think that they're going to be hell-bent on blowing anything up, and I think that in turn means signing Horford back to stay in Atlanta. 
Yeah, I think that, I think Horford's still young enough that you're not looking at a situation where you're going to be mortgaging your future by any means. Uh, you know, in re-signing a guy like him, uh, you just need to get better around him. I think that's clear. You know, if you want to have Horford as as one of your guys, you, you're just going to have to do better than mid 30s Kyle Korver. You know, uh, uh, maybe 10 to 15 if you rank the NBA point guards. Uh, you know, top to bottom guy in Teague. Maybe you have to do a little better there. They just need to upgrade all around. So, and that's kind of what I talked about before with you know the direction of the team. If you're going to bring back Horford, you're making that decision knowing that you have to make other adjustments. It's not we're keeping this guy, and we're, you know maybe maybe they are content to just sit in the top five in the East, you know between three and five for the next four or five years. But it just seems kind of hard to believe that any team would really have that direction. Let me ask you one more follow up question to that: Are you of the opinion that? Franchise, franchises may look at the Warriors and their composition over the next couple of years in terms of they're kind of solidified beyond Harrison Barnes. That's the team they have. We'll see if they retain him or not. Are you of the opinion that maybe teams should hold off on acquiring a big piece in the next couple of years because the Warriors are that good, or is that just a dumb logic to have in general? Zach Lowe talked about this right. uh, a week or two ago on his podcast, and I think he he thought it was pretty dumb logic. I agree. I think as you know kind of a fan perspective people who take in the league the last thing you want is everyone just rolling over and and yeah. conceding championships to a team and you're basically waiting out for contracts to but, to come up or I mean age. that could be a th- um, a, a mindset that some franchises have we can we can some all- as in the bottom same. 10 teams that we're going to be rebuilding anyway i don't think you necessarily are rushing into a rebuild because of that i think that's something you keep in mind but the fluidity of the league, contracts come up so quickly. You sign a guy to a four-year deal, that seems like forever, but all of a sudden, two years pass, and we're talking about free agency already, you know? And, um, I, I mean, the Warriors are so good, but they're not, they're not impossibly good. We've, there, were, there were teams that you know, have ripped through the playoffs a hell of a lot more smoothly than they did last year, and they were completely healthy. Things are going to break against them at some point. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's not next year. But at some point, something's going to happen, whether it's a contract situation, whether it's an injury, whether it's somebody getting disgruntled with their role. And I think you want to be the team that's ready to capitalize when that happens, not the team that you know, ends up just kind of staying pat, standing pat for four or five years. But like, when, do you, when do you really determine when it's okay to strike? You know, like, oh, they're, they're weak. Maybe we'll start actually trying to win now. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, you, me, and, and Zach Lowe all, are always on the same page, it seems like. Um, but uh, I just think that it's it's one factor that you have to consider. Um, I don't think that the Warriors are unbeatable. The Cavs beat them twice uh, in the finals with, with right. just essentially just LeBron. But it is it is interesting to note that maybe if a franchise was you know leaning towards going in or not going all in this off season or next off season that the Warriors being so dang good could actually factor into that consideration. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, I I don't know. I was just laughing at the phrasing of dang good because they are dang good. Um, I don't I don't like to swear. No, fair That's- enough. And we don't like that on this podcast either. You know, tons of kids I'm sure are listening. Um, kids grandmas babies have the spectrum yeah, yeah. yeah um well i don't know i think in the nba you're a competitor the last thing imagine pitching that to to your roster you know you, the gm comes down and well it, you you say it, you pose these and sorry to jump you off because i know where you're going but we're talking about the philadelphia 76ers right are we i mean i thought are we talking about the hawks well we're, i think the hawks are the most applicable but if you're looking at teams just saying 
uh, looking at the landscape of the league and saying, wow, let's just kind of throw in the towel and really regroup, we're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. And so if we're saying— They've already done that. I mean, we don't want half the league doing that. I, what no, GM I agree. is going to come down to the roster and say, hey, guys, you know, we intentionally, you know, we, we, had a, we could have made a run at, at Schroeder this summer, but we just, you know, we think we're, gonna, we're good with losing. Hopefully you guys are fine with that. Like, I just don't think that's realistic. Like, what player— no player in the league is thinking we can't beat the, the Warriors if we meet them in the finals. Why would you not want that chance? I mean, I totally get your logic of why. And, you know, again, this isn't something you're just making up. You know, this is something that's out there. That, yeah. um, and I, I totally understand it. I just think it's a, hard, it's a harder sell. And that's something that seems way, way easier in theory to do than it actually would in practice. There, there are so many good players out there. Like, you could try to be bad and, you're, you know, over half the league is still going to make the playoffs. Like, you, it, unless, like, would, would we have a situation where free agents just aren't being signed because – you know, you don't want to risking too good by signing this guy. Well, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks are a good example of this because they're a very, very good team, but they're on the outside looking in and they have been for the last couple of years. And most likely if they keep this same core without adding another piece, they will be on the outside looking in. You just kind of have to think that. So let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers in, in the same realm, though. Um, we're talking about Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, where they're kind of on the outside looking in. At some point, they look at the Thunder this year, next year, and then they're looking at this Warriors team and saying, we have tried our hardest, our dangest hardest, and we just <laughs> can't quite do it. So why not get some young guys in the door, get some picks in the door, and really revamp for the third year when the Warriors contracts start to break up? Does that make more sense when we're talking about Western Conference teams? Especially the Clippers. I I don't I don't know I don't I think it can make sense. You can make an argument for it. I don't think I would ever be so worried about one individual team that it would cause me to make decisions about my franchise that are going to have you know ramifications three, four, five years down the road. I think it's it's just a matter of can you contend or not? Not can you contend basically? I would say against your own expectations, um, not against. You, you never want to go into a season and say or build your team to beat one specific team. I think that's kind of what Cleveland has tried to do and some other teams have tried to do. And I think that's pretty dangerous because you're kind of putting all your eggs in that one basket. And you never would want to root for an injury or even expect an injury to a contending team. But it's a pretty long track track record of players getting hurt, no matter the, no matter what team they play for, no matter how good they are. Just It just kind of happens. So injuries, contracts again players getting disgruntled anything like that i mean minor switches can can kind of throw off something that you know when you when you get to the finals it's great team against great team and the warriors are really good but i think if you make it to the finals you would like to think that your team is close enough that you at least have a chance and i think any team would rather take a chance at beating the warriors in the finals than completely not ever have that chance and and you know kind of build for the future which is you know even less of a guarantee because you got other teams that are trying to do the same thing Two things, and then we can move on from this topic. Um, the first of which is that the Warriors last year, they definitely, without a doubt, benefited from injuries against the teams that they faced. I mean, it, all the way through to the finals when they lost Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, they didn't have to win the championship um, against you know full-strength squads. And so you can never assume, I agree with you, you can never assume something is going to be a matter of fact that the Warriors are just going to go through. Curry gets injured, and it's a completely different team. It's a middle-of-the-road team, whatever you want to say. Second thing is, 
And that's that's my stance on it. We agree on that. But then you have somebody like Doc Rivers who has come out and said, if we don't win the championship this year, we have to seriously consider blowing the team up. Yep. And so I'm not just blowing smoke here. It's 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 you know an actual conversation going out there. And far be it for me to say that you know Doc is a good GM who's made good decisions in the past because a lot of people don't think that way. But I mean that's out there. That's that's the notion right now is that the next two years are going to be really tough for all teams, especially in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. I mean, you have to look at the perspective of the Cavs in the East, you know, are kind of a, a juggernaut in the same way, though. Sure. You know? Yeah. Well, the Raptors are very, very good, and we still give them no yeah. chance whatsoever. Right. Exactly. And I mean, this is a team that, what, do they win 12? Do they win 10 in a row? I mean, last time yeah. we talked, I think they were at nine. I don't know. But very good team. Uh, but I think the Cavs kind of represent the same beast that uh, that Golden State does in the West. All right. Be part of all the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy basketball partner of Rotowire. With DFS, you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster. You can play whenever you want. You can pick a new team every time you play. Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove you're the superior GM. Or you can square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOHOOPS. That'll let you play free with your first deposit on DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of RotoWire. Again, that promo code is ROTOHOOPS for free entry now at DraftKings.com. So some random topics here. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, we. Uh, I should say I, I had some some downtime. Uh, no football on Sunday. I mean, outside of the Pro Bowl, which I'm sure we all watched. That's not. Football. Uh, and what did I do with that time? Something productive, somewhat. I basically just wrote down a list of questions, topics that I wanted to talk about uh, on on podcast with you, DJ, in the future. And so we we picked three of these uh, from the list. And again, they're just kind of random topics, debate topics, uh, questions that we want answered. So the first one, who's the most overrated player in the league right now? You have Kemba Walker on there? Maybe. I, I mean, I, I, get, I get that. Um, hmm. I always go back to Carmelo Anthony. That's been my answer for the last few years. Um, it's all about the rings, baby. All about the rings. He's been very good on very bad teams. I will say... That that is starting to change a little bit. You're starting to see his assist numbers on the rise. I've said it in the past. Young Kristaps Porzingis is softening the heart of Carmelo Anthony and making him dish the ball a little bit more, or maybe maybe being more comfortable with dishing it uh, for whatever reason. I'm still going to stick with Melo just because I think his contracts and for what he's worth, it just hasn't been there. Unlike somebody like a Kevin Durant, LeBron James, even a Chris Paul that can just put a team on their back take them to the sixth seed in the playoffs and really fight like heck uh, against the third seed during those playoffs. I just haven't really seen that from Carmelo Anthony um, over the past few years, and I certainly don't think that's going to change majorly this season either. I don't think people would debate you on on him necessarily being overrated. I think he's bought a lot of credence for me in the Olympics. Like Anything that he does in the NBA, he just makes, <laughs> makes up for it in the Olympics, so I respect him. But, I mean, this is a guy, I don't think he's not a winner necessarily. I mean, he went to, he went to the playoffs, what, 10 straight years to begin his career? Um, the, only, the only guy of that Bosch, Wade, LeBron trio, I guess Darko made the playoffs, won the, won the championship as a rookie, we should say. Um, but the only one of those three, you know, to, to get to the playoffs as a rookie in Denver and you know, this is a guy who got to the Western Conference Finals with the Nuggets. He, you know, kind of had the misfortune of running into the Heat death machine that second year in New York when the Knicks were actually really, really good during the regular season. Uh, they only ended up making it, I think, into the second round that year. But, you know, I mean, he's does he rank above, below, or in the same tier to you as 
Tracy McGrady or a guy like that, you know, and never, and never like a finals type of guy, but a very good regular season guy who had some issues in the playoffs. Probably the same exact tier. If, if I'm being honest, I rank these guys all time. And I know Melo's a little bit younger. McGrady, Carter, Anthony, one through three, just best player. Uh, I'll say Anthony McGrady, Carter last. Okay. I think you, you agree? I think you would, you could pull a hundred people on that and you would get, it would be pretty close to evenly split on the on the options. But are I mean, are you willing to admit that Anthony is kind of in that same tier too, where it's it's a lot of yeah, sure he's oh, made yeah. it to the playoffs a couple of times, but uh, you know he'll forever be a, a I mean, perfect college basketball player where yep. uh, he can put a bad team on his back if he's playing bad defenses. But when you actually have good composite teams, he's just not the type of player that overcomes defensive schemes uh, to get wins. I mean, you always say this. Uh, sometimes numbers are hollow, and for me. Melo's numbers have been somewhat hollow. Yeah, I I think it's been enough. It just depends what your expectations are. You know, he's well, he's, he's not LeBron the- because he's not a guy that you can just throw on any team and that team instantly is a contender. That's what LeBron is, and I think Wade's not like that either. I think that the the expectations and the guy that the guys that Melo is compared to are, is a little bit unrealistic. I mean, like playoff success wise, so he's overrated. A little bit. I think he's. I think he's just unfairly rated. Maybe. I think. The, no. I mean. He, the, okay. Look at. I mean. Would you say Dwayne Wade is a markedly better player than him because he has three titles? Dwayne Wade put the team on his back and took him to the championships. And what's the indicator for all-time great Hall of Fame status in the NBA? It is championships. If you look at the NFL, it's all about stats. If Carmelo Anthony, if we use the same metric for the NFL that we used to the NBA, Carmelo Anthony is one of the best players of all time. You could yeah, say, yeah, that, that, that's I'm not fine what we that. use for NBA. I don't. In this debate, I'm not worried about titles. Not you know, no, not everybody can win titles. And the NFL, I would argue, is the same way. I mean, Dan Marino is constantly getting discounted for never for never making or did he even make it to a Super Bowl. I don't know um, if he did. Yeah, I don't, I don't do the this football. This is not an NFL podcast, no. but he's docked. I mean, we talk about who's better, Manning or Brady, and you know it's going to come down to titles yeah. essentially. So okay. that's so your answer is Carmelo. That's fair. My answer is Carmelo, and I, I don't think that's outlandish. I was thinking about going Derrick Rose. I think he's he's almost underrated now. People hate him so much <laughs> yeah. that he's actually been kind of good lately, and, and nobody notices. Uh, but I went Kemba, and I love Kemba a lot. Um, I love him as a player. I think he's super fun to watch. I think he's one of my favorite college players of all time. Um, but I mean, this guy's shooting forty percent for his career, and you know the the three point percentage hasn't been great either. Thirty three percent for his career this year; those are both up a little bit. But I mean, he's a guy who's really not gonna not gonna carry you to the playoffs by any means. He's a high volume shooter, uh, you know, prone to off shooting nights quite a bit. Doesn't space the floor as much as you'd want it. Not a bad defensive player, but at his size, he can only give you so much. You know, I mean, he just kind of gets pushed around a little bit. Um, you know, you like him as a competitor. You like what I mean. I have no qualms about him as a player by any means. I just think he he's not a, an all star caliber player. You can't be an all star in this league. And there were people who you know have been crying that he wasn't an all star these last couple of years. I mean, when you're shooting thirty nine percent, thirty nine percent, forty two percent, which forty two is for a point guard of that size, that's fine. But I just think, I think he's generally a little bit overrated, especially for a guy on a team that just isn't that good and hasn't been that good since he's been there. I agree. It's, he's in the same category as Carmelo Anthony, amazing college player. When you're talking about just raw athletic skill and ability to win um, on a personal basis, it's Kemba and Carmelo Anthony, two of the best of all time, I would say, in terms of making it through a tournament and putting a team on your back. 
But if you look at NBA going up against defensive schemes, trying to get your other teammates involved, it's just not there for Kemba. What about Isaiah Thomas and in, in, as a similar type of player, what you're talking about? Like, great, fun to watch. He's so incredibly yeah. short. He's listed at 5'8". He's probably not even that. He's flashy. Maybe got a lifetime achievement into the you know the all-star game this year. Next year, Kemba Walker, the game is in Charlotte. I think that even if he puts up the exact same stat line, he's going to be in the all-star game just because of you know the whole home yeah. thing and stats are good enough but nobody cares about field goal we'll percentage see. I, I think Kyrie will get a spot back I don't know I, don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't lock him in anything at this point uh but Thomas yes yeah, kind of in the same category I, I think people people knock Thomas maybe a little bit more so I don't think he's necessarily overrated I think people just like watching him and realize his faults and and, to, and I, I can't like point out one instance where Kemba's been you know unfairly hyped up beyond what he is this is just kind of my personal well, the status that he has in the league and the production just don't necessarily match right now. And I think it's kind of carried over from UConn, you know, being a, a college legend. And that's not, you know, that's not a misnomer by any means. Uh, kind of carried over. And he's been better in the NBA than I thought he would. I just think there's, you know, the expectations have maybe been higher than they should be lately. Well, the funny thing is, Nick, I think a lot of people would say he's the one of the more underrated players in the league. Kemba? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think people would. Yeah, I think this is... It's hard to say anybody's really overrated, like really, really overrated. Because if you're if you're playing poorly in this league, you're just not going to be playing enough. You know, it, like Kobe would be the answer, the obvious answer. But everybody right. knows what Kobe's about. You know, like if you're if you're not a good player, you're probably out of your rotation, and it's hard to call you overrated because you're not playing that much. What about somebody like Draymond Green, who you could say no. he either is part of the system or he is the system, and depending on what answer you take, you could start your argument on him being overrated because playing with Curry, playing with Thompson, and a competent center really opens up a lot of things for him. If we're talking about underrated, overrated, I think he's the type of person we need to be talking about. Yeah, I, we just haven't seen we haven't seen anything to actually prove that he's either of those things. You know, He's somebody that I... I don't know. How would I want to phrase this? I don't want to see him get hurt. I want to see him miss a third of the season for non-health reasons, non-personal reasons. I just want him to vacay. I want him to just go on a vacation and just be totally cool with it. The NBA would be cool with it. Just, just as like a, a science experiment, basically. He could have he could have double payment over that time. The NBA would just be like, hey, Draymond, we really want you to just head out. You can go wherever you want for the first couple months of the year. We just want to see how the team plays without you. Because we're not going to know unless that really happens, right? Yeah, and you Not know, that scenario, but a scenario in which he misses more than two or three games. Hey, his mom is a teacher back in Michigan. He really doesn't get to see her that often right. during the school. So go help out with the water mom. stuff going on back there. Yeah. Hey, well, here's the thing, Nick, uh, is that whenever he does sit out, we put a, we put so much emphasis on games like that. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when you're curious about that type of things, we probably put too much emphasis when he does miss one game or two games. I mean, right. remember, they lost when... They lost to the Nuggets when he sat out. That's all we have to go on. Right. But we we also need more than a one or two game sample. That's the point. That's what I'm saying. We need like three, we need two, three weeks of this because one game against one team, you, you, I mean, you're not going to see anything really in any kind of circumstance uh, that's definitive. I think we need a, a larger sample size. So I'm not, I'm not ready to declare him overrated or underrated. I think if anything, he's slightly underrated because a lot of people don't seem to like him and I think he can't really ignore what he does for this team um but you know again we're not we're not going to know for sure until they play without him before we go on to underrated we have a tv in the studio and sometimes we get entranced by the game that's oh I'm knowing I mean I'm knowingly watching the Cavs Pacers is on the funny thing is yeah Cavs Pacers on from last night and the funny thing is before we started taping I was telling you 
I was watching this game last night on the condensed version on NBA League Pass, and I couldn't tell what was condensed versus real time because the first five minutes of this game are made buckets back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they're like dunks or, or great shots. Um, so if we just kind of dissipate out of this podcast altogether, you'll know that we're still within those five minutes. Anyways, underrated players. Zaza for you. Yep. No surprise. I think I think it's almost getting to the point with him that he's no longer underrated because everybody realizes that he's good now. Uh, but but I'm standing by that. He's, he's still underrated. Kevin Love, come on. I mean, let's I mean, let's let's have a discussion here. Kevin Love is the most underrated, undervalued, underappreciated player in the league. We talked about Rudy Gay just trying to find his way, trying to find his place on a team with a ball dominant point guard and a really good center in Demarcus Cousins. Kevin Love is trying his darndest to fit in with this team. He's trying to make it happen. He's in the squad. I think he truly is. He's trying his best, but he gets chastised in the media. He gets chastised by Cavaliers fans. He gets chastised for everything that he does, every mo- every move he makes. He's still one of the best players in the entire NBA. We aren't that far removed from him being a top two fantasy option. We're not that far removed from him being um, the best double-double guy in the league. Um, he wants to win a championship. He made a sacrifice for that, and we really aren't giving him his credit. I think, did you make the reference to Chris Bosh the other day, um, that he was the one that made the sacrifice? What we're seeing out of Kevin Love is he's the one who is making the sacrifices, and he's getting absolutely no credit for that whatsoever. Numbers-wise, he stacks up pretty close to what we were seeing in Minnesota. Uh, the scoring is really the only thing that's down, but the shot attempts are also down accordingly. You know, It's not like he's shooting you know, well below his career average. He is below his career average, but he's he's been a guy who, for being a big man, has never been very efficient at all. And I think maybe that was a little bit misconstrued. I mean, you look at those last two years in Minnesota, 35% in that, that injury shortened 2012. It's only 18 13, games, Right, though. but I mean, he was bad before that injury. Um, <clears throat> and then 46% the year before the trade, and that was the second best mark of his career. So I think, I think maybe... Cleveland fans and and fans in general maybe just didn't quite realize the type of game that you're getting with Kevin Love. You know, he's not a guy who's going to finish every single shot. You know, I think the fact that he has a lot of games where he'll go six for 15 from the field, it doesn't look great on paper, but that's just the player that he's always been. You know, he's not attempting as many two point shots. He's attempting fewer threes. I mean, fewer shots overall. Um, but the way they're using him, you're asking a guy to come in and play alongside two stars. The topic we talked about last week is that there's just not a precedent for this really working right away, especially for a guy like him who can't necessarily make up for it on the defensive end. It opens the door for a lot more criticism because you can criticize him on both ends of the court, and that's not something that you could necessarily do with Bosch most of the time. Um, so the way that they're playing lately I think is going to open things up for him and we've had the same conversation with the Cavs probably five or six times over the last year and a half about somebody will say something after the game you know, about opening up the offense or getting more touches for Kevin or building the offense around Kevin. It doesn't end up happening, but a small part of me believes that with this Tyron Lue switch and the way that they've actually looked noticeably different in these last six games, I, there's a small bit of hope in me that, that this is going to actually kind of reignite the real Kevin Love, and, and we're going to start to see you know, what he can actually be in this offense, because on paper, you know, when they all came together last summer, it was, it seemed such a great fit, you know, and I think the, the Golden State machine and the way that you need to defend that has kind of thrown a wrench into how good of a fit it is. But I mean, against 29 other teams, this, this Cavs team should really be able to get out and run and, and be able to utilize 
uh, you know, that five man lineup of of Kyrie, Smith, or Shumpert, LeBron, Love, and Thompson. Yeah, I agree. I I still think this is one of the best teams in the league, and they have a legitimate chance to win the title. I said it last week. I think that they have a better chance to win the title more so than the Spurs individually or the Warriors individually because those two teams, not only do they have to face each other and fend off each other, but they have to fend off the Oklahoma City Thunder, who is a little dark horse in this championship race right now. If you're looking at the Cavs, if they got to beat Toronto, they got to beat the Hawks, that's going to happen no problem. If I had to bet right now on which team I thought would definitely make the finals, I'd put all my money on the Cavaliers. I wouldn't be putting it on the Warriors, the Spurs, or Thunder. It'd be the Cavaliers. Their path to the finals is the easiest. They're going to have a better chance to win the finals than anybody else in the league. I think it's clear. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Love should be an all-star if we want to get back to that talk. Uh, I think it's I think it's not a travesty that he's not because he's been l- – He's played below, I guess, what what the expectations are. Which is anybody even sure what the expectations are? Like, what kind of numbers do people want from him at this point? Exactly. Honestly, honestly, I don't know. They um, want exactly what he had at Minnesota, which is incredibly unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, you got two teams that combined to go seventy five and twenty and have two combined all stars between them. Yet we're totally fine throwing in two Heat players and four Hawks players. I, I almost let one out there. Uh, last season, when when their record, I believe, was their record worse going into the All Star break than the Cavs is this year. What team did you say? Last year's Hawks. Travesty of a, a basketball situation. Well, I mean, they got off to such a great start and they lost some momentum as the season. Yeah, went they along. they had to go into the break with a better record, I think. Um, wow. Yeah, they did. I mean, they they, they were at they were sitting at eight losses from December twenty sixth until January thirty first. Yeah. That's obscene. Uh, so they went into the break at forty-three and eleven. The Cavs okay. right now are thirty-five and twelve. Thirty-five and twelve. So, so that's they, and you said they're about to go on a good stretch of right. games for them. So I mean, yeah, they're they're, they're going to go into the All Star game with probably twelve or thirteen losses. So you know, one or two games behind the Hawks' pace last year, and somehow that was so cute and fun to give the Hawks four All Stars, even though one of them maybe deserved it but yeah. but the Cavs you know we, we can't even give them two because they they somehow haven't met expectations hey, absolute East, joke Eastern Con- well what Eastern Conference joke. last year was so down that it, it only heightened how good we thought the Hawks were and so in terms of finding all-stars for the East it, it made sense last year did it I don't think so hindsight's always twenty twenty. I I mean what, what what happened in hindsight that makes it seem like it, it was not a good idea at the time and it it still isn't a good idea. I mean, I guess if they would have like gone on to win the finals, maybe it looks a little better. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think I'm a little biased in that situation. I was, I'm still steaming about something that I happened 355 days I ago. Can like, really, I'm, really, I'm, like tense up right now. Um, you don't even have a vote. I no, I know, I don't. Probably. I know I'm the furthest thing from an all star vote. Um, so who's the best point guard in the East? That's the next question I wanted to ask. We'll keep this a little shorter. Um, so I, I mean, I have to say Kyrie. But right now, people are saying Kyle Lowry, which is probably fair because a lot of people are saying also that Kyrie isn't even fully healthy quite yet, um, which is absolutely scary. I'm still going to say Kyrie right now if I had to pick one. Uh, Lowry has had troubles finishing out the season strong. I know that was an issue for him. That was the impetus for him losing some weight. Hasn't quite happened yet, and you hope it wouldn't considering he did shed quite a bit of poundage. Um, I think it's between Lowry and Kyrie. And I'm going to give it to Kyrie. Obviously, you're not going to throw Kemba Walker into this mix based on what you talked about earlier. 
Uh, I mean, I think there's another more obvious candidate. That's John Wall. It's, it's kind of a three three horse race Dude, between I'm down those on, three. I'm down on the Wizards. I'm down on John Wall this year. I think you could. There will be people who would make a case for any of those three guys, and I, I would be willing to listen to all of them. I think you can look at it from different perspectives. Wall and Kyrie are in a similar age class, you know. So if you're saying who do you want to to build around going forward, it's probably not Lowry, even though he might be the best of the three right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're just kind of it's kind of a different conversation. So. I think I would still I think I would probably go Lowry honestly right now. I have Kyrie on here but defensively Lowry's a much better player right now. You know, he's arguably a better scorer on a lot of nights when we saw what Kyrie did down the stretch last night and that's something that only he can do. Those those kind of jumpers and the the dribble moves and the way he was able to get up the court and draw a foul in overtime is you know, those Lowry and Wall can do that but they just they just can't do it the same type of way that Kyrie does. That makes you, you know, really marvel at at the kind of player that he is. So, Kyrie is the most talented. Wall's probably the guy I would want if I had to pick for the next ten years. Lowry's the guy I would want right now. Okay, and then coming in after that, we're talking Isaiah Thomas, Kemba Walker, and Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson in the next two years yeah. is somebody who could easily sneak into that conversation as yeah. well. I would say. Sure. Jeff Teague, we're kind of just. You know, we're yeah. very lukewarm on him. I think no. he's in the twilight of his career, and that's probably why the Hawks should. Twilight? What is he? Twenty seven? Hey man, <laughs> hey man! I think he's in the twilight of his career. I don't think it's. I that don't know. He's in like maybe the the peak of his prime. 2013, 2014 will be Jeff Teague's best production. Sure, sixteen the twilight of his. He's like ten years from the twilight of his career. Twilight of him being a top okay. Eastern Conference point yes. guard. Uh, if that makes more sense yes. and makes sure. you happy, you're but, so you're so edgy with Atlanta Hawks players, man. I, I can't talk about any of them. I, I'm just edgy about like, he's 27 years old. It's not, it's not the twilight of his career. Twilight of his. This is a guy that the Bucks show. might be looking at. I don't want any. I don't want any <laughs> word getting out that he's that he's gone on the downswing. All right, he's he's fine. He's a good player. Uh, I think Schre- I think Schroeder probably yeah. makes me made me say that dumb sure. comment. The fact well, that you, we're already seeing the next generation come in, and so that's why. Well, Teague's not going to get any better. I, I agree with you there. Well, thank you. That's what I meant. I just, yeah. He's not going to get any better. That's exactly sure. what I was trying to say. Okay. Uh, anybody else? Who's a dark horse um, for being in maybe three years coming into this conversation? Barring let's all the teams stay the same. We're looking at like kind of rookies or, or you know, guys like uh, younger guys. Uh, I, I, said, I think Reggie Jackson's one. I think he's yeah, the I obvious he's, one that you yeah. brought up. I mean, Goran Dragic, if he ever figures yeah. it out or if they, they kind of flip things around next year in Miami. I mean, he was a guy who was – I, mean, I want to say he was he was third team All NBA two years ago. I mean, this is a guy who was you know one of the better assets in the league at his age with his skill set, and things have kind of diminished a little bit health wise for him and just you know everything wise, I guess, in, in Miami. But if they kind of if they retool that roster and things turn around differently, I think he could be back up there. Two more people, actually three. I wanted to shoot at you real quick. These are you know like maybe in two or three years they could be uh, elite Eastern Conference point guards, but. At this point, you would say probably no. Um, interesting situation. Alfred Payton and Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo, no. Uh, okay. No, I don't think. I, Alfred Payton, I think, is kind of destined to be a career backup specialist type of guy, You know, almost an Andre Miller, but maybe a little bit not as good of a passer, or maybe a little bit better in some other areas. Just, just a guy that can be your starter if you are content being in the back end of the conference, you know, that type of guy. Oladipo is a little bit more intriguing just because of what he brings athletically and with the size, he can play both guard spots. But 
there's a reason they were bringing this guy off the bench on what was a pretty bad magic team, you know, earlier in the year. So I don't think either of these guys inspire possible top three point guard in their conference type of conversations, but Oladipo, at least athletically, maybe the potential is there. Okay. Um, please don't laugh after I say this, but if the 76ers decide to stick with Ish Smith and this group keeps going in three years, they're starting a challenge and he's a major part for that. Is Ish Smith part of your top three point guards in the East conversation? No. Under no circumstances is that ever Here's I mean, he'll be he'll be what, thirty one years old at that point? No way. Twilight of his career. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's I think he's slightly slightly younger by a matter of weeks than Jeff Teague. Yeah, I mean, he's putting up good points. If you're looking at his last, uh, let's see here, his last 10 games, 17 points, four rebounds, eight assists, a steal and a half, and that's coming with half a half a three-pointer per game. Shooting 39% from the field, though. 29% from three. I mean, that, there, there are a lot of issues there. I think he might be the most overrated player in the league, oh, honestly. There you go. Well, apparently a lot of GMs in the league agree with you. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's bounce, I think a lot of his hype just comes from daily fantasy, right? He hasn't been that good of a real player. Well, I mean, he was the spark for, was it Colangelo or was it him? In terms of yeah. the spark of them turning around their season, essentially. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he, I mean, he's been, he's been fine. Tony? He's just been a real point guard for a team that hasn't had one. I mean, we've seen guy after guy come in and have these stretches. I mean, Carter Williams' numbers were off the charts as a rookie, but efficiency-wise, Smith's been awful. Can't shoot the three, even though he just, he chucks a ton of them some games. I don't. I'm I'm not impressed by him. I like. I do like. I, I mean, he belongs in the NBA. I just. I mean, he's so 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 far from ever being a top three point guard in in the in the East or West. All right. I just wanted to give a nice, well rounded picture of the next three years. Sure. Top East. Uh, I agree with you. I I even wonder if he's going to be their point guard in the next two seasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a great question. Is he going to be their point guard at the end of this season? I hope probably. so. Yeah, I, probably. I, I don't know what they would. I think I'm hoping more so because every writer and every media personnel that comes across him says he's one of the best, you know, personalities and nice guys in the league. I feel like he's gotten a raw deal at a lot of places yeah. in the past over the past three years. So maybe it's just me wanting to reward a nice person who's had a tough professional career. If, I mean, if you look at Rotowire right now, and you can, by the way, get a free 10 day trial to Rotowire by going to rotowire.com forward slash pod pod, and you go to Ish Smith, and we have. You know his his uh, past uh, seasons output. Every single year, he never stayed with one organization. He slashed. I wonder every what the reason career. is for that. Yeah, you know, you have to think, and I certainly don't want to suggest there's any kind of insubordination or off the court issues or anything. But no, this is a guy who's been pretty good everywhere he goes. You would think. I mean, even New Orleans, he was pretty good for them earlier this year. He's, he was productive at the college level. He does a lot of things. And it's almost comical to look. You know, I'm on his ESPN player page, and you look year by year. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone Houston, with this many Memphis, teams. Warriors, Orlando, Milwaukee, Orlando again, Houston, Phoenix, OKC, Philadelphia, New Orleans. It's amazing. Crazy. That's a span of you know four years, six years. Yeah, I mean, f- what since 2010, 11? So yeah. yeah, I mean, what five years? That's crazy. You usually just see him drop out at some point. Yeah. So there's some kind of lingering I something do, that keeps him in the league. I do wonder if the Sixers would maybe flip him somewhere at the deadline because he has been good, and I think he has value, and he's on what I assume is an unguaranteed minimum deal, right? Well, like who would he get flipped to, Brooklyn? Well, I mean, is there, no, I mean a team that wants like a contending team that needs a bat, like the Bulls. <sighs> 
You keep t- you always bring up the Bulls. The Bulls when you need talk about backup point need guards. point guard help worse than maybe any team in the entire league other than the Nets. Okay, I mean, I mean, I think okay. you could do a lot worse than Ish Smith as your backup, right? Although you, I think you want shooting in the playoffs, right? And you, yeah, eh, that's a tough one. I think if if Ish was shooting like thirty five percent or even like thirty three percent from three, then maybe teams will look at it. But it's hard to throw a point guard out there who's not a great defender. I would say the Pacers. George Hill is their starter. Joe Young, Monte Ellis are essentially their backups. Stucky's been hurt. Stucky's been hurt. Yeah. And do you even want Stucky really running the point anyways? Well, Nish is a nice mix-up from Hill because Hill can shoot. Yeah. Derrick Rose can't shoot. You, you're bringing in a backup, you know, hypothetically. Don't and Smith, who that. also can't, well, he actually he actually has shot it a little bit better lately. I'm, I went from really disliking Derrick Rose for a while there to kind of now I'm sympathizing for him. Because some nights he still is really, really fun, and people are so down on him. It's got to be weird for an entire city to love you one year and then just completely turn on you seemingly at once uh, a couple years later. Uh, but one final question I want to get to before trivia. Um, and this one I think is the most fun. Maybe we should have done this first so we could save more time for Probably. it. Oh, um, but give me your most logical superstar for superstar trade that's out there that you think helps both teams. One that you think maybe teams wouldn't realistically do, but... Both teams would pick up the phone and have a nice little discussion about it. And maybe they would do it. Well, here are the three contenders that you've so nicely written out for me, and I'll just choose these. These are three. just all these are just spitball ideas. If you yeah. have other ones, feel free. Uh Blake for Love, that's been talked about quite a bit. Lillard for Butler is a really interesting one that I have not actually heard. And then Blake for K D, um, if K D says that he's gonna go sign and trade, basically. Right. I mean if if he says that, if I mean Oklahoma City needs to move him for anything. Um, I don't think that that's possible just because you have a Baca. I know. Like, can you play a Baca and Griffin together? I guess yeah. you can have like two totally. stretches. A Baca still is the rare guy who protects the rim enough that you can kind of pair him with anybody. I think, right? Like he's the, the guy that you could pair with just about any four or five because he can play both spots. He can shoot. Yeah, but Griffin likes to float around the, you know, long range too. It's Yeah, that, and that's what I mean. Like Ibaka's good enough inside that he doesn't have to shoot threes. He's him and Bosch, I think, are the two guys that you look at that can do both of those things, and Ibaka's better defensively than Bosch is. Okay. Well uh, then I'm definitely gonna say that one. The little butler one, I I need some more time to think it over. That one I that that's definitely not a rumor by any means. I don't think I don't know that either team would I think both teams say no to that, but you know, Chicago that's... Chicago could certainly use a point guard, and Portland can't go forward with Lillard and McCollum, can they? I think you got to, uh, in all seriousness, I think you have to get rid of McCollum as quick as you can. His value is never going to be higher. He has the green light right now. I think this, like you say, are empty, hollow numbers where it's just the way the team is made up right now. He's he's coming off way better than he actually can be on a contending team. What about, I think it was Simmons who who raised this one on a pod, what about McCollum for love? You'd have to do some filler. Uh, the trade exception for yeah, Haywood we'll would be just pretend like it works out. Um, I, I don't like, like that. Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the funny thing. <laughs> That's perfectly timed. Well, the, um, you know what the backbone behind this trade is and the Blake for KD trade is, is that Love would be going home to the Northwest. Blake would be going home, obviously, in the and Blake OKC. would be going home to OKC, or to OKC. And the funny thing is McCollum is from Ohio. So McCollum would be going home too, right? So that all is like I mean, none of these guys have no trade clauses. So like that's kind of the least of these teams' concerns, but it would work out personally. I just think where do the Cavs throw McCollum? 
He's Where essentially he your new J.R. Smith. I guess, but that just means fewer minutes for Shumpert. McCollum's not a great defender. He's not a sib defensively, but he's 6'2", 6'3". I mean, you, I don't know. I, I think you want McCollum on your team. I just don't know that you can get him. Maybe you send back one of those guards, and then you free up a little more time. But How many times, Nick, this year have we seen LeBron James drive to the hole, kick it out to Matthew Della Vadova for a three? Wouldn't you much rather be having... C.J. McCollum in that spot than McCull- uh, than Della Vadova. And let me let me be clear, Delhi has really done a great job at improving his three point shot. Where LeBron trusts him to do that, but if you have McCollum doing that instead of Delhi, that is dangerous. That is very dangerous. I mean, Delhi's shooting five points better from three this year. Really, isn't that crazy? Yeah, four well, points better. Well, here's um, the thing about that: is that every single three attempt that Delhi takes is completely open. Every single yes. three attempt that McCollum takes is guarded by two guys, or it's off a dribble, which Delhi yeah. can't shoot off the dribble. Uh, yeah, so that, that's definitely true. I just don't know. I don't think he's the type of guy that another. I mean, the big issue is there's not enough shots to go around for LeBron, Kyrie, and Love. You're throwing in another shoot first guy, a guy who's younger, and you don't necessarily have to build into the offense for. Uh, I guess continuity reasons. You don't have to build shots into the offense for him the same way you do Kevin Love because you worry about what that'll do to Love's confidence, what that'll do to you know his public persona. What, what was the word that uh, Tyron Lue used last week? Brand uh, the brand, right? Yeah. With McCollum, he's young enough that if he doesn't shoot, he doesn't shoot, and maybe he doesn't love that, but it doesn't necessarily kill the team or the team's reputation. But I just think that would be a a very drastic move to get rid of your arguably your best front court player for a guy who you don't necessarily need yeah i think we can this is a very sexy trade and i like this one a lot for for multiple reasons but what the Cavs needs is a stretch four guy i mean they have tristan thompson and timofey mozgov who have to be i mean they're lane cloggers you need a stretch four guy exactly like kevin love if we take him off this team and be like wow it'd be really nice to have somebody like a ryan anderson on this team he's chris bosh and like they needed chris bosh to win those two titles in miami i I love all these deals of bringing guys into Cleveland, but I don't necessarily love giving up Kevin Love or Kyrie. It's hard as a fan base to part with any guys that are really good sometimes. Like As much as Cleveland fans hate on Kevin Love and people overall hate on Kevin Love, it's pretty tough to find a deal that would make you say, oh yeah, you know, it's worth this risk of blowing up the team that has 12 losses right now. What about Love for Dwight? Wow. This would be the ultimate win now. Well, then... I guess you must be pairing Timofey or Thompson in that deal too, right? You have to? Not so much? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I think, I think if anything, Houston sends some stuff back. I think Love's the better asset of those two. Well, I mean, it's, well, then Timofey just would never play hardly. Well, yeah, right? I mean, he barely plays now, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, uh, you, maybe you make him take Verjao off your hands. Well, Houston has wanted a, a four. They've been struggling yes. with that. They definitely need a four. It's not going to be Josh, gonna be Josh, be Josh, be Josh Smith. Oh. Wow, that's I mean, talk about having three pillars on your team: Irving, LeBron, and Dwight. I mean, who cares? You have that playing? opening at the four, which you know, ideally, that's LeBron. You know, playing the four, but he's also I don't know if you can count him as a stretch four when he's but shooting under thirty percent. Well, here's the 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 backbone of all these trade rumors is that the Cavs fans and the Cavs maybe themselves are trying to compare themselves with the Warriors. So if we're gonna say Howard is gonna go play there when the Warriors put Draymond Green at the five, yep. Howard is coming off the court. I think you like there's something about Howard that you th- he's maybe mobile enough that you think he can kind of no stick way. around, but but no yeah, way. he would get. I mean, unless he, they play zone. Well, the thing is, unless he's at 100% full health and full hustle, you know, like 2008 Dwight Howard, 
is not the right matchup by any means for Golden State, but he's such a force on the other end, and he's so good at recovering and getting the rim that, like, even though he would struggle at the top of the key to defend those, you know, those uh, high screens with Curry and, and Draymond, I think he's so good elsewhere that you could kind of make up for it. You know, you, Golden State, I mean, rebounding would be over. If, if Again, we're talking 08 Dwight. Yeah. Rebounding would just be over. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't really play Bogut at all because I think Dwight would, would be so one-sided with that matchup. Uh, so I mean, well, one the, thing I like about that too is if you have Howard playing the block when Draymond Green goes into a drive, you you can stay on your defender. You don't have to help. Um, and so on kickouts, you know, you, you could stay there. I mean, because if you're going to have uh, Draymond Green drive on Howard, you'd say, okay, do, go for it, go for right. it, Green. So yeah. I guess the I like problem that. is we're talking about 2016 yes. Dwight Howard. Um, yes. So no, I mean that that's a, that's a fun one to talk about hypothetically, but I don't think That's a good one. I like that one a lot. I don't think the Cavs are in a position to make a move and this is crazy how it fluctuates week to week because one week ago man, Kevin Love's got to go. Kevin Love's got to go. This team out. his team can't score, they can't play D. All of a sudden they've won 6 in a row and they're scoring 100 points every night and everything's great and you know, I, I it, it's going to keep going like this really for these next couple of weeks until the deadline. I think if you're a Cleveland fan, you just ha- you just look forward to that deadline passing because at that point nothing can happen and all the speculation gets pushed until July. Yep, got to stand pat right now. You just got to stand pat. We are not even halfway through the season. Just right. let it play out. I think we're at a point where we had a, a pretty crazy two week thing there, uh, but you just got to let it roll. All right, I wanted to talk KD to Golden State, but I think this is going to be a topic that'll endure long enough that we can talk about it another time. This Next is, week, I mean, this yeah. is probably an entire podcast worth uh, if we really wanted it to be. But we'll get to trivia in a sec. First of all, just a quick word from one of our sponsors, Wix.com. DJ, do you need a website? I do. I'm still actually putting my website together for my alternative podcast. Oh, that's right, podcast. the tennis podcast. So well, why do. don't you why don't you build the website yourself with Wix.com? Tell me about it. No matter what business you're in could be the tennis podcast business. Wix has something for you. It's used by more than 75 million people worldwide. Wix makes it easy to get your tennis podcast website live today. You need to get the word out about your tennis podcast. It all starts with a stunning website. Hundreds of designer-made customizable templates are available. The drag-and-drop editor is a tool that they offer. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it all yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners and tennis podcast personalities alike to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own tennis podcast business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your tennis podcast. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. DJ, that's where Wix comes in. With Wix.com, it is easy and it's also free. Go to Wix, that's W-I-X.com and create your own website today. The result will be stunning. I, I truly am going to head over and do that. I'm very excited. They have been a proud sponsor of this podcast. A good sponsor. Uh, and I'm going to check it out. I undoubtedly am. Trivia time. We're running long. Trivia so let's, time. Let's, uh, I've never heard you sing before. That's why I don't sing very often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I've got about nine questions here. As you know, follow along. We never really respond too quickly where you can't play along, although Nick does Except like for to today, show- baby. Let's uh, go. Yeah, except Nick does like to show me up and answer the questions before I even spit them out. Without further ado, Nick, I'm looking at the top five leaders for points, rebounds, and assists. I've got all 15 of these headshots right here. You're raising your hand, yes? Uh, per game or totals? Per game. Okay. Per game. Good question. So points, rebounds, assists. There are 15 headshots right here. 
which team has the most players in those 15 spots? So combined that are in points, rebounds, and assists? So so obviously Curry is leading the right. league in points per game. So there's one check for Golden State. Obviously Drummond is leading the league in rebounds per game. So there's one check for Detroit. And you can go so on. Who has the most players um, for one particular team on these top three lists? I have two teams in mind. I'm going to guess the one that I'm a little more confident about first. Is it the Thunder? The Thunder, no. The Thunder have... Um, Kevin Durant is third in scoring, but unfortunately Westbrook is outside of the top five. Is he? Um, okay. And then otherwise Russell is second with assists. So they have two, um, two representatives. So that actually ties them for second in this game we're playing right two now. Two representatives. Um, oh, well then there's one that has to have three. Is it the Kings? Yes. Okay. Kings. Kings. Rajon Rondo leading the league in assists, 11.7. And then big boogie Cozen. Bo- <laughs> Boogie Cousins, she's easy Marcus for me to Cousins. say. 11.3 rebounds and then 27 even for points. Yep. And so Cousins comes up twice on these three lists. All right, excellent. Name the top four players in offensive efficiency. Hint, they're on the same team. Uh, Draymond, Clay, Curry, and Barnes? Iguodala? Not Barnes, Iguodala. Yep. Can you name the fifth? Offensive efficiency... I feel like I should know this. Um, is it KD? It is. Kevin right. Durant, okay. 113.9, whereas Steph Curry is at an even Where's LeBron at on there? He's not that high this year, is he? Uh, let me take a look. If you don't have it in front of you, that's okay. I don't have it in front of me. That's fine. Don't I'll worry about it. I'll check it out a little later. Or you can do it yourself. This I'll do it. I'll do it myself. Podcast. I'll do it myself. Okay, so same question for the defensive side. Ooh. Funny enough, this has to be the first time in maybe history this ever happened. Name the top four players in defensive efficiency rating. Hint, same team for this as well. That is a good question. I wonder if this has happened. I feel like it might happen just because as a unit, if you're just going by defensive rating, if you play enough minutes together and your defense is good, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy. I mean, this, sure. is, this is evidence of it, I guess. Um, so they got to be four Spurs, right? Correct. So what, Kawhi? Nope. No, no, Kawhi. Kawhi is not top five on what? defensive rating efficiency. So Believe the so what not. is it? Parker, Duncan. Uh, no, no Parker. What? No Parker. Their bench unit. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Patty Mills. Yes, sir. He's number two. Duncan. Yep, number one. West. Not West. Aldridge. Not Aldridge. Um, Boban. No. <laughs> Jeez, I, we're running guess. out of guys here. Um, Ginobili? Ginobili is number three. This is no, bizarre. Uh, Jonathan Simmons? No. Who else? No, who is it? I don't know. Mr. Boris Diaw. So I'm, I'm reading right off NBA.com forward slash stats. I guess that is true. I mean, their starting unit hasn't been like a killer unit it's just kind of been the whole machine yeah so duncan mills ginobili dl your top four defensive rating efficiencies in the entire league can you name number five and i swear to goodness if you get this you looked it up in your cheater but there's i don't think you did based on your first answer no i definitely didn't you Uh, gotta shoot in the dark on this one this one is kind of amazing is it a bench guy it's a bench guy yes oh not on the Spurs. That's your only hint. I can't even. This could be. I mean, well, how many minutes? What's the minutes barrier that we're going by here? Uh, probably 20. He's played 20 uh, minutes on well, the year? I'll say oh, not 20. So the minutes barrier is probably about 15 minutes. 
which sorry. that could be anybody. Sorry, um, <laughs> sorry for that. That could literally be anybody. Jordan Mickey. I don't know. Tiago Splitter. So we get the Spurs this, connection. Man, what a signing! Team. What a signing by the Hawks. I mean, they they had that best defensive player in the league. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of the Spurs, Thiago Spurs, yeah. Thiago Splitter is apparently the over. best uh, yep. defensive player in the league. Okay, say what you want about that. All right, Alma Mater's here. I don't uh, think I know all these. Good, good. I'm very happy that you said that. this. Is where did you sort by to get these names? Like, U.S. <laughs> minutes played. Uh, essentially, I looked at the lowest depth chart. PER. <laughs> yeah, I looked at the depth chart, and anytime there was six or seven guys, I picked the last okay. one. All right. Um, so let's kick it off here. This is the hallmark of trivia. Sure. Mike Muscala. This one I do know. He's Bucknell. Yes, sir. Willie Reed. Uh, I want to say he's like an old biggie. Is he like a Seton Hall? Mm, not quite, but you're, you're in the <laughs> right yes train no. of thought. Uh, who's the other one that's like them? Is it is it like a, a former Big East team no, like that? It's, no. It's okay, not. then I don't know who is it. St. Louis. Oh, same colors. Okay. Yep, same kind of colors. Cameron Barstow, Barstow. Uh, we swam with him in New Vegas this past Mexico summer. New Mexico or New Mexico State? New, New Mexico. Mexico, even. Okay. Got it. Brian Roberts, point guard back. Dayton. For, yes, sir. Sasha Khan. College legend at KU. Yes, Kansas indeed. J.J. Barea. Northeastern. That is, I don't even know. That, that might be the most. Or mascot or. Colors, I think they're black and red. I only know that from video games. But what a, like, what a bizarre yeah chain like where is that even located connecticut i want to say and he's from where puerto rico yeah it's something or something like, like costa rica i think um excuse me while i accidentally google search northeast instead of northeast university northeastern oh yeah that would probably help yeah the northeastern what is their mascot it's in boston no, it's in boston okay okay huh Accepted trade is 32%. Good on them. Smart guy. Mascot is the paws. Colors are black, red, well, and warm gray. Not gray. I think they're, they're the Huskies, right? Uh, mascot. <laughs> the, the, the mascot's name is Paws. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> Please welcome your Northeastern Paws. I, uh, hey, shout out to Paws out there in the world. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> JJ Barea. All right. Jarnell Strokes, keeping Jarnell it. Stokes is from Tennessee. Really good college player. Yeah, he is Jarrell Eddy. This isn't even a real name. <laughs> I Jarrell Eddy, I don't know. Uh, Sam Houston State. No, Virginia Tech. And he, I mean, he plays in the NBA. Yeah. Allegedly. I'm, I'm yet to see any evidence of that. He's a shooting guard for the Washington Wizards, of course, with Garrett Temple, Bradley Beal, Gary Neal, Ramon Sessions, and Kelly Oubre. Doesn't see much playing time. Alan Anderson isn't even playing, and still. Um, I love. There's some podcast I was listening to lately that somebody was talking about the Wizards and saying, no, Randy Whitman really said if they had Alan Anderson back, he thought this would be different. <laughs> it's like, I mean, no knock on Alan Anderson, but like, I don't think this this Wizards team's like an Alan Anderson away from from contending by any means. Like. I think I laughed out loud while I was like while I was lifting weights listening to that. Uh, yeah, talk about a guy who's truly in the twilight of his career. That's yes. just as funny as pause. <laughs> um, okay, this is an off the beat question that I've been meaning to ask you for a couple months, and I just keep forgetting. Uh, first of all, yes or no? Have you seen the Paul George post game press conference commercial for Gatorade? Okay, no, but I looked it up when I saw this question, thinking uh-huh. oh, I should probably watch this, and then the the description of the video had the name of the guy uh, that he's with. But I think on. I would like to think that I would have known it anyway. But there's no way to tell for sure. So um, 
let me just play. If you've seen this commercial, Paul George comes out. He asks the guy next to him, how does my tie look? George says, look, or this, oh, it's Joe Young. Yeah. It's Joe Young. Joe Young says, good. And then George says to him, you look hideous. He's wearing like a Superman suit or something like that. I, the funny thing is I never knew that that was an actual NBA player, but it's oh, Joe really? Young. Yeah, no, I just assumed it was just like some random yep. guy. I didn't know. You know, there's that kid out there, the like a fashion icon who makes bow ties. That's who I thought it was. I don't Russell know. Westbrook? He looks like Russell oh. Westbrook. But anyway, he was at the NBA no. draft. And he, oh. That kid. Wait, Dan Gilbert's kid? No, 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 no. There's a. There's so he a doesn't kid. look a whole lot like Joseph Young. No, there's a One kid. One glaring out. difference between the two. <laughs> no, there's a kid out there who's kind of a fashion icon. Okay. He started his own bow tie business. And he was hmm. actually at the NBA draft talking about the, the suits they were wearing in the fashion. Oh, weren't they wearing wooden bow ties? Yeah, that was kind of like that. Yeah I, no, yeah, I don't remember that kid specifically, but that makes sense. Um, I, don't, I haven't seen this commercial. I don't know what channel is your, It must be on Oxygen and Lifetime quite a bit, huh? Yeah, so this kid was on Shark Tank. His okay. name is Maziah Bridges. He's 13 years old. That's a cool name. Um, you don't recognize him? This guy. Not at all. Okay. So that's who I thought was in the commercial. It's actually Joe Young, who's an NBA player, <laughs> not a 13-year-old fashion icon. He uh, does look young. He, he is. He lives very, up to his name. Yeah. He, Joe Young is actually He's definitely young. the best young probably to ever play for the Pacers. You remember when they had Sam Young? No. He, he was terrible. He, we won't get into Sam Young, but I just wanted to get that out there. I don't think he's very good at basketball. Duly noted. Um, so these last four questions – Kind of have a theme with all the hosts on this week of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Nick Wayland, can you name the two Knicks in the league? And when I say Knicks, I mean N I C K. Okay. So no Stauskas, no Batum. No did, this, did this question earlier today initially say, can you name the two Davids in the league? I swear <laughs> yes. to God it did. Because I remember. It did. I erased okay. it, and then I thought I should make a theme right. of it and should just, shouldn't pick okay. random so, names. So no Batum. So Nick Collison. Yep. And. No Vucevic either, yeah. or Pekovic. Joke. Um, One of those guys. Nick. One more. How do I not know? My mind just keeps like you. going back to Van Exel, um, Nick Collison, and Nick Young. So I yeah, Nick Young. Right hands for shooting, no tats. Yep. Uh, first name only. This is a shout out to James Anderson, who will be on Thursday with it's you. Thunder Nick. James Anderson. Uh, Thunder James Anderson. Uh, name the seven James is... in the league. First name only. I almost said LeBron. Uh, James Johnson. Yes. James Ennis. James Young. James Harden. Yep. James Anderson. Are we yes. counting him? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't know if he was actually still in the league or not. He is in the league, and right, he happens nice. to be Rotowire's nice, own, nice. same as James, our James. All right. That's a big get. So you got four. Yep. Need that's five, more. isn't it? I think it's five. Oh, five? Yeah, I you think know, it's you're five. right. Five. Um, James. I keep wanting to say LeBron. I just Good pull on James Ennis, by the way. Yeah. I mean, he was maybe the first one that I thought of. I did, this is a tough one. Um, Good job on James Young as well. So there's two more. I'll give you the teams if you'd like me to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've actually said this player's name already. He plays for the Cavaliers. James Jones. James Jones. And there's one that plays for the Golden State Warriors. Oh, McAdoo. Yep, James McAdoo, who has played oh, I can never tell if his name is actually James Michael McAdoo or if he just says his middle name, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of guys in there that have some Not extra. that that would have made a difference, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, name the four Joshes in the league. And, of course, this is a shout-out to Josh Hayes, who is on Mondays and Wednesdays with me. Josh Smith. Josh... 
Harrelson? Does that he count? Guy's not no. in the league anymore. Um, Josh Smith. Oh, these are tough off the top of my head. It's got to be some white guys named Josh. Yes, sir. Hustis, we count him. Yep. He's, uh, he's, he's not really white though, I guess. Uh, McRoberts. Uh huh. One more. And same team as McRoberts. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. I didn't. I honestly had to look this guy up. I didn't know he was with this Josh. with the Heat. What? Uh, yeah, I can't. Um, I have no idea who that be. Josh Richardson. Oh, yeah, of course. Twenty-two-year-old out of Tennessee. He has yeah. played in well, twenty-two games this season. Yeah, he actually 12. he got some run when when all those point guards were hurt. Yeah, he's he's had very sporadic playing time this season. Finishing it out. This is an ode to Mister Ken Kreitz. You can find on the Friday NBA podcast. Name the players in the league who could be nicknamed Ken. Uh, Kentavious Coldwell Pope, I guess. Yes. Um, Ken. Is that it? <laughs> There's four more. <laughs> what are we basing this on? They're, uh, uh, part of their name has Ken in it. Last it starts name? With, yeah, last name, first name. starts oh. with Ken. So there's four more. Uh, Steph, Ken, Curry? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I'd like to, I'm curious to hear what they are. All right. I'll read them off. Uh, Kent Bazemore, of course. That one's a little iffy. Yeah, I understand. It's like, what would he be saving if he took the T off? Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, you know, gotta play by the gotta play by the <laughs> rules right, here. Yeah, fair. You did play say. by the rules. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kenneth Fareed. Oh yeah, that's that probably, one, that's the obvious one. Yeah. And Kendall Marshall. Isn't it weird that if you shortened either of those last two, especially to Ken, it just would seem really weird if Ken, Ken Fareed. If, if Fareed came back, it was like, hey guys, I'm Ken now. <laughs> It's like in the office when Andy came back from anger management and wanted to be called Drew. Like it just yeah. wasn't going to happen, you know. So hopefully Fareed doesn't resort to that. Oh, there's one more by the way, uh, Kendrick Perkins. Ken Perkins. Ken Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> and Perkins and Ken, Ken Perkins. Perkins yeah. Your next Ken Perkins Parks, seems Parks like he'd be like a janitor at the arena or something. Yeah, <laughs> he might be. He's pretty close. When I think to of that. the name Ken or Kenny. Like I'm picturing like mechanic. Yeah, like, you know it. You you know your way around a Ford. Or the VP of sales here at Rotowire, one of the two. Right, yeah, slash podcast host, slash other things, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that dragged on. No, I mean, that was fine. I mean, these, these were questions that weren't just quick. Yeah, that's for sure. Anybody that, you know, stopped listening, you know, probably did so a while back anyway, so we're all good. Shout out to if you're still listening. Really appreciate <laughs> it. We're about a, an hour 22 at yep. least, so thanks, thanks for that. Thanks so much for you joining us, really. You did it. Congrats. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide. In theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.